for everything indie. For everything indie. For everything cults. It's the Blue Horseshoe now. Here's your host, George Bremer and Ryan Hickey. And welcome back into another edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. Ryan Hickey alongside George Bremer as always. And it is a, it's an off Sunday for the culture. As we know, they played on Thursday night. So we have a little kind of AFC South recap overview as the division did play today. We know the Jaguars won. They played it, or excuse me, the Jaguars lost. They played the Texans and the, and the Titans did win. So two of the three teams in the AFC South uh, do win on Sunday. So we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. We'll talk about a common theme within the division that also wraps in with the Colts as well. It's Really, right now, the AFC South is struggling to do one thing consistently. We'll tell you what that is a little bit later on as well. But let me ask you this, George. A Sunday with no Colts football. How is how is your Sunday going? What, what's it kind of like to kind of just be sitting back watching uh, not inept offensive football for a change on a Sunday? Yeah, it's been a, such a long run. When you go back to the start of training camp, really, you just had that, that week between the preseason and the regular season off. So it's nice to just kind of, you know, take a little bit of a break get away from everything for a little while and recharge the batteries. Uh, I'll tell you one thing we've been talking all year long, like who's the favorite in the AFC South after today, I feel like all four teams could win this division and all four teams could finish in last place. And you wouldn't be significantly surprised no matter how it shook out. Absolutely. It's, I will say one thing really quickly, George, it's very enjoyable to watch NFL football when you don't have to worry about the stress of your team playing, or you don't have to watch uh, the offensive line to just get, you know, blown up. It's, it is like the NFL. You don't really realize it. It's enjoyable to watch when your team is, is not involved. It's great. You're not sitting there pissed off after a loss trying to, you know, hate watch the, the later games or the night game. It's this Sunday was, it was a good Sunday. That is for sure, George. But like you mentioned, I mean, this is, this is crazy. We're sitting here with a two, two and one Colts team that record wise. Yes, it, it is there, but play wise is showing you anything but to be a division contender. But like you just mentioned, the Colts on Sunday were one Carson Wentz interception away at the goal line from a Titans loss and being in first place by themselves, despite the fact that through five games they have played brutally bad football. It's it's truly unbelievable how much this division, like you said, is open for grabs. And why really right now, I think through five weeks, I don't think there is a front runner to win the division. Like, like you mentioned it, it's anyone's division. It truly is. Even Houston. I won three and one. I think legitimately can say or can feel good about we have a chance to make a run here. That's how bad it's been so far. Yeah, there's only two teams right now who haven't lost the division game, and it's the the first place Titans and the last place Texans, which I think is very fitting. You know, the Texans are one zero and one within the division right now. So I think that tells you everything you need to know about this division. I also think that it would have been the most perfect AFC South thing going had the Commanders finished that drive and won that game. The Colts would have been in first place in the division, but have an 0-2-1 record against the division. It's that I think that kind of tells you everything you need to know right now about this league. I also think it was very fitting that you know Carson Wentz trying to beat the Titans was what the the Colts' first place hopes were were riding on today. It feels like all of last year. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think this division is so wide open right now. I still feel like going into the week, I felt like Jacksonville deserved to be the favorite because as they had the only win in the division at that point. Um, and, and it felt like they had shown, you know, it was a dominant victory. So I felt like they had the best record. They deserved to be the, in, in that spot. But I think now Tennessee deserves that, that position um, simply because they're the reigning champs. And I think they're the one team in this division 
recently with a good history against all three other divisional opponents. They haven't dropped a lot of games they shouldn't lose. Uh, I think they've only lost one or two period the last couple of years within the division. Uh, I think, look, you know, we're all baffled here about the, the Indianapolis Jacksonville situation. You know, how can they lose that many straight? The Jaguars just lost their ninth straight period to the Texans. They haven't beaten them in what is that now? Four years. I think 2017. Um, and there's some bad Houston teams in there. It's, a, it's unbelievable. And I think that's how this division is right now. I, I just feel like any matchup between these four teams could literally go either way. And as a result, you've got a division that's completely up for grabs. And like I said, I mean, I think it says everything that the two undefeated teams right now are the team in first place and the team in, in last place. And I'm glad you brought that up because that's a great point and highlights the parity of the division. Right. The two teams, ironically enough, that have not lost a division game, the one is in first place, the Titans make sense, right? Oh, you don't lose a division game, of course you can be in first place. And then it's also like oh, you don't want to you don't lose a division game and you're also in last place after you it's not like they haven't played any games either. It's not like the Texans are, you know, one, three, and one, and they played everyone but the AFC South. They played two division games. Like you mentioned, they another tie, they they won today, or won on Sunday, I should say, against the Jaguars. And it's like that is that is what this division truly is, where it's just like for how bad the Colts have been, it has been one of those things where it truly is wide open. Because I think today, the, the, the good news about Sunday when the Colts aren't playing is that when you get to watch the other teams around your division, kind of watch it with like a close eye, not just kind of like look at the score in the corner while the Colts are on, you truly see, George, none of these four teams are very good. Like whoever wins the division, I think we were believing that anyway going into the season. None of these four teams, whoever wins the division, gets in the playoffs. It's going to be a real contender. Going to really make you know too much noise or be a real threat. Even though you're going to have one of them have a home game, it's going to be an upset. I think if they even win the playoff game. Whoever does win this division, because man, like you said it today, Titans allowed uh, Carson Wentz to go right down the field and almost you know almost lost that game. Now, of course, fitting Carson Wentz throws a pick in crunch time and throws a pick that hurts the Colts. What else is new, George? It's like it's like you never left. Time's a flat circle. It's Nothing's changed. Nothing the more has things changed. changed, the more they stay the same, right? I mean, <laughs> really, it is. It's so true. It it brought flashbacks back. Also, watch that final drive. It's like he leads you to believe. He makes a few good throws. Like, oh wow, he, he's looking good. This could be it. And then come crunch time, first and goal throws an iffy ball to be general. Second and goal, another ball that could have been picked. And then the third time was a charm for him there, uh, as the Titans do get him. But it's like the Titans should have. You made the argument, should have lost to the Commanders. Uh, we saw that the Texans today play tough defense. To their credit, they've always played tough defense this season. There she's offensively. Davis Mills is not what I thought he could have developed into year number two. And we saw a Jaguars team that has been, like you said, ha has some impressive wins, dominated the Colts. Trevor Lawrence in year number two, you see what a competent head coach actually does for a quarterback of his talent. He actually looks like now an up-and-coming young quarterback that is going to be a problem in this division for a long time. And then he'll score a touchdown on Sunday, get held to six points. And it's like, wow, you really look around. It's like, for how bad the Colts have been, it is insane. I know we talked about it a lot, but it truly, I thought Sunday really kind of hammered home the point that this division stinks. Yeah. Now, and the weird thing is it's got a winning record against the AFC West. So uh, yeah, take figure, that. Right? Take I mean, that. It's, it's absolutely insane right now. Uh, but I think the NFL is kind of in that road right now. You've got a couple teams that have kind of stood out. I think you look at the AFC on the whole right now. Buffalo looks good. You know, they have that one hiccup, but they look like they're really good. They're, yeah. they're kind of who we thought they would be. And Kansas on Sunday, City they got has mad. the one. Oh, yeah. They, they After destroyed. The Steelers just, right, like they played some yeah. close games and they just took care of business on Sunday against Kenny Pickett. 
Like, and that's, I think that's who we thought Buffalo was going to be, right? I mean, they're, they're going to be a pretty dominant team. They look like it. Kansas City, except for that hiccup here in Indy, looks like the Chiefs, you know, what we would expect them to be. But after that, is there anybody else in the AFC that you feel really, really confident? I mean, Baltimore's had some good games, but they, they've let some games get away that they had no business getting away. Miami looked good when Tua was a quarterback, but the last couple of weeks we've seen they have some flaws. You know, I, I don't know that there's anybody else that I would look at. Maybe Cincinnati, they seem to be catching fire again. Maybe they're going to be in that mix. But I think it's, out, it's not just this division. I think the AFC in general, outside of Buffalo and Kansas City, if you're like in a survivor league, who do you pick? Who do you have confidence in in any given week? That's a great point because uh, it seemed like the Chargers that was another popular pick. They barely squeaked out a win in, in Cleveland on Sunday, which, again, that showed the game you lost. You're 100% right. Through the first five weeks so far, for the most part, Outside of two teams, and I mean, if you want to include the entire NFL, I would probably include the Eagles. Mm -hmm. And outside of that, like I don't even know if there's a fourth team you could really say that has lived up and or exceeded expectations so far coming into the season. And it just – I hate to do this because, you know, I, I really – George, I try to be honest. I try to be also realistic. And so for this Colts team, I am always an optimist, but I don't, I don't want that to kind of give me false hope or see things that aren't there. But the more we talk about how bad this division is, the more we highlight overall the NFL. It's been there's a million two and two teams. It's been basically a lot of outside of three or four teams. Everyone else playing down or worse than expectations, and it's kind of like the Colts are somehow, despite having the worst offense in the NFL, despite having no one who can block, still in it and still should be like down the stretch a team that should win this division or at least be in the race and have a chance to you know. Turn things around. It's it's no. frustrating, and it's also at the same time. It's like you almost there's a small sense where almost just like put them out of their misery and just kind of like don't give you false hope. But whether it's division or the rest of the AFL, uh, AFC, excuse me, AFL, AFC, there's there's kind of sucking you back in because no one's running away with it early outside of the two teams, especially the Chiefs and Buffalo in the AFC. It's confounding. Yeah, and one thing I think because you're talking about like common threads within the division, I think it's all throughout the league. One thing that's really holding a lot of teams back is the same thing that, that's the chief concern for the Colts. The offensive line play across the league is not very good. There are very no. few teams who have an offensive line who's able to get the job done. Now, the Colts is more disappointing than most because it's the highest paid offensive line in the league. You would expect them to be a, a much bigger part of success for this team. But I'm wondering this, and it's something I'd love to get your take on, Ryan. I look at college football and Every year, the defensive line prospects coming out are amazing. It just feels like every year it's one of the deepest groups in every draft. It, it's it's where the talent is. I think the offensive line has fallen so far behind just in sort of on the college game. I think right now, if you're a high school kid and you're making a decision, the defensive linemen are making all the money. You see them kind of the, the really top athletes are, are going that way. And I feel like the defensive line in the NFL, we've reached a point where the defensive lines are way ahead of where the offensive lines are. And I wonder if maybe at some point that's going to start changing. Maybe maybe because there's so few offensive linemen out there who deserve to get that big money, maybe you're going to see some of the more talented kids start to go that way too. But right now, I think it, you go all the way back to college football, I just think there's more defensive prospects coming in than offensive prospects in the trenches. You're 100% right, and I'm just kind of looking now at just like one mock draft, just kind of get a sense of how many offensive linemen are supposed to go and where they're coming from. Because I think you're right. I think one of the things with college football especially that has changed to lead to more excitement in college football, but now it's kind of hurt the NFL product, is you see so many spread offenses, right, that it's now like when you're an offensive lineman, 
it's almost now not even being the biggest, fastest, strongest, or the biggest and strongest guy. It's now about you got to be an athlete. So like where you have left tackles and right tackles, now it's about almost having enough conditioning to run 80, 90, 100 plays a game because a lot of college football teams don't huddle. They get to the ball quick. And depending on the program you're playing at, you, you look around some of the best college football teams in the country. A lot of them really do run this up-tempo spread offense to where it really is get the ball quick. You don't have to block too long. The technique is not exactly paramount. And so when you look at offensive line prospects, I was looking before, whether it's Northwestern's left tackle or Notre Dame center, like there were, now you're looking at guys, some of the, the most highly touted offensive line prospects are coming from schools like Northwestern, who runs a traditional power heavy offense. Notre Dame, kind of the same thing. They're not in that up-tempo spread offense that, again, is going to be running 80, 90, 100 plays and they throw the ball kind of air raid. There's been a lot of passing in the NFL, but also uh, in college football. But at the same time, that's not always meaning that good tackles especially are getting developed because what they're being asked to do is nothing like the NFL game. The NFL game is starting to mirror college football. We're starting to see more up-tempo, more passing, more no-huddle offense, but it's still nowhere near. And when you're not having that technique and even just the size in uh, college, we get to that NFL, like the, the, the jump from that level of competition and what you're being asked to do is so much more now. And it's growing where like mm-hmm. you can make the argument quarterback, that divide and that gap is shrinking because now so many uh, NFL teams are mirroring the college game that's not that different. I would say the offensive line gap, like you mentioned, it's that gap is growing now with the style of play. And also, like you mentioned too, you're 100% right, the level, just the level of talent on the defensive line and edge rushers now that are coming in the league. It's harder and harder now to match up because almost every week, no matter who you're playing, there's at least one standout edge guy or tackle that's going to give you a run for your money. And that's a great that's- point, George. I think that's what's caused the parity. When you've got these offensive lines, it's making it hard to be consistent on offense, and so you don't know what you're going to get from week to week, and and you end up with scores like the one day. I don't think anybody expected Houston to go into Jacksonville and win. I I honestly don't think that was something that was on people's radars. Uh, I also wonder from the Jacksonville standpoint, I know we'll probably wrap up this segment here here quickly, but I wonder from the Jacksonville segment, my question with them when they got off to this good start was, you got a pretty young roster still. They have a, a, a veteran head coach who's been through the wars, but you have a pretty young roster, and this is the first time they've really had the target on their back. They've always great been point. chasing people. You know, and I wonder it'll be interesting to see how they handle that over the rest of the season. That's a great point because right, you don't know right a lot of that 2017 team that went to the AFC title game. A lot of that they're gone. Right? That that whole roster has turned over. An old organization really has turned over. So you're right; they're not used to being the hunted. They're always used to being the hunters. And they get off to a little bit of a hot start. And like I said, the NFL, what we know, George, it humbles you and it humbles you fast. So just to put a bow in this segment, right now the AFC South is wide open. And for how bad the Colts have been, we are sitting here with a second place team at 2-2-1. and Going forward, who would you determine right now, who would you mark as the team to be in the AFC South in a division? Like you mentioned, the two teams without a win. Once it, or one, without a loss in the division, once in first place, once in last place, it's been a, a division full of parody. Who would you label right now to be the uh, the team that sh- should be the favorite right now to win the division? I'm going to go with Tennessee just because, like I said before, I think they've been the most consistent team in division play, and I think that's going to ultimately determine this. I think it's inter- interesting that the Texans are 1-0-1 in the division and they're in last place right now, but I think the teams that, that you know, if the Colts get back into it, if they win the division, it's going to be by winning against these opponents in the second round, and I think that's that's what's going to matter now. When you've got this kind of you know crazy parity within the division, winning those head-to-head matchups is going to be so important. 
And I think right now I trust Tennessee more than any other team. And I, and I give a lot of that to Mike Vrabel. It's ugly over there. They're never going to get any style points, but they just figure out ways to win these ugly close games week after week after week. And, you know, last year got the number one seed in the AFC. This year, I think it could very well get them another division title. I'm 100% with you. It has to be the Titans. Like you said, they're a team that has the experience. They know what, it's, they, what it takes to win. They've been there before and won the division. I'm glad you brought up Mike Vrabel. I think he's the best head coach in this division, hands down. And he has shown you, like you mentioned, doesn't matter who's hurt. doesn't matter what the style of play is like. They find ways more times than not. Give him credit. I hate the Titans, but give him credit. They find ways to just win. Like you mentioned, they take care of business in the division. I like the Jags. I'm intrigued by them for sure. I think they'll continue to be a contender. But like I said, the youth right now is a big question to ask them to go from, what were they, 2-14 and 14 last year, I believe, to winning the division, even for a bad division. Winning the division, I think that's a big jump to ask in just one year with a very young team. And the Colts, you mentioned it, the Colts, I think, still, still have the most talent in this team and have the biggest upside of any of the four teams. But like I mentioned, when you're 0-2-1 right now in your division to start, I know right now that's not really killing them because you're in second place, but that's going to come back to bite you. When you don't take care of business in your own division, that eventually later in the year is going to really come back to bite you. We'll talk about the upcoming two games they have against the Jags and the Titans here in a little bit. But that's when you dig yourself an early hole. I know they have done it in the past. Credit to them. That's Frank Reich's you know mantra. Even go back to as a player, that he's the king of second half comebacks. But right now, yeah, at 0-2-1, I think they bury themselves too deep, especially to be considered – uh, favor to win this division for sure. All right, when we come back here, George, there's been one common thread for the most part in this division that is frustrating. We've seen a lot with the Colts, but it's also a reason why you should believe as a Colts fan. I'll tell you that one uh, trend when we do return. You listen to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. As always, if you like the podcast, hopefully you do, make sure to subscribe. Make sure to listen so you don't miss an episode. Download and subscribe the Blue Horseshoe Pod wherever you get your podcast. We are all over the map, the Odyssey app. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, we are there. Just find us wherever is convenient for you. So, George, there's one common thread we have seen with the Colts this year, and we've seen really throughout the entire division, and that's been offenses that have struggled to put up points consistently. I thought Sunday was a great example of that. Texans beat the Jaguars 13-6 in which a game where there was one offensive touchdown. It was a battle of the kickers for the for the longest point until Pierce does score a touchdown late there for, ten, uh, for, uh, for Houston. And then the Titans win 21-17 as a hold down in the end. But again, not a, a big explosive offensive output for a team that usually is not one to you know put a crooked number on the scoreboard most, uh, most times. But when you look so far, and that's just one week, right? Obviously, that was just the, the week five example. But you take a bigger look right now through five weeks, or at least heading into, I should say, week number five, because the stats aren't updated just yet. The Colts, no surprise, dead last in the NFL in terms of points per game, 13.8 after that just awful, awful performance of 12 points there on Thursday. They're really hanging strong to that last place uh, ranking there, George. But you look around the rest of the division, Texans tied for 25th. They're averaging just 18.3 points per game coming into Sunday. Titans, 21st, 18.8 points per game. Now, the Jaguars were 7th. They had a good start, 26 points per game. But also, again, we saw on Sunday, they don't score a touchdown, they score six points. So it's been a division right now that has really struggled uh, to put up points and really do so consistently. And that's another reason why you look around for the Colts, despite being dead last right now in, in points per game, they still are in this division because no one else is running away and putting up points either. Yeah, you can see my dog's very upset about the offense in yeah. this division too. Uh, you can't blame him. You know, he knows that it should look a lot better than it does. I think that's going to be one of the big keys to the, to this rest of the season right now you know which of these offenses kind of finds a groove 
gets hot and consistently can put can put points on the boards, it could make a big difference because I think you're looking at this race right now. The tiebreakers are all against the Colts. That's one of the things that you definitely don't want to see. No. Uh, but I think one thing that's, that's hurting the Titans, one thing that you've got to be very concerned with if you're a Titans fan, they've been very bad in the fourth quarter. Second half in general, but the fourth yeah. quarter is specifically, they have not been good. It almost bit them again this week. It almost bit them last Sunday against Indianapolis. You know, if not for some mistakes by the offenses they played the last two weeks, they're probably one and four right now instead of three and two because of the way that they've let teams move up and down the field in the fourth quarter of these games. That's one of those things that it, it feels almost as dangerous moving forward as the Colts division record because it's something that in a league that's so close where it feels like anybody can win every week when you are just kind of a sieve in the fourth quarter, you're, you're walking a very th thin line. Uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Jacksonville, I think it's the youth that you worry about there. You know, they have their big games and then they have their six point games. And I think that's going to continue. It's just a very young team. They haven't been through this before. And Houston just doesn't have a lot of talent on offense. I mean, let's just be honest. It's just not there. So, you know, I don't think you're going to see the Texans suddenly become an offensive juggernaut. It's going to be really interesting to see which of these four teams can kind of put it together and, and be good on offense for even like a six or seven game stretch. It's not going to take all 17 right now. Just have a nice little run there for one of these teams, and it might give you some, some you know, gaps. Some so you might get some distance in this race. And two, and the other offenses can't score like like the Colts for how bad they've been. Like they don't have to drastically improve to turn this around and be a contender, which is another reason why it's so frustrating for the start. It's like, sure, they have a lot of things going wrong, and they have their own issues, but it's like. For them to realistically win this division and turn things around, we're not asking for a miracle, George. It's not like they have to go, they're playing at like a level four and they need to take up to a level 10. And it's like, can they even get that level, let alone like, you know, have it work consistently? They really only need to improve slightly when it comes to division wise, at least, to really kind of be a contender. And like I said, they turn up anymore, you should start to run away with it, even with a slow start, because the rest of the the rest of the division right now is struggling. I'm glad you brought the Titans second half. This is just mind-boggling. They scored a touchdown in the second half today against the Commanders. That was, George, their second touchdown in the second half through five games. You look at their splits first half to second half. The Titans coming into Sunday have scored 68 first half points. They have scored 14 second half points this season. They've allowed 37 points in the first half, 64 points coming into this weekend in the second half. So again, you mentioned it. Like, this is a great first-half team. We saw last week against the Colts. You're up 24-3, to and you are clinging on to dear life to win that game. They have one first down in the second half, and neither Colts to shoot themselves in the foot. They made some players credit to them. But to your point, it's like the Titans yet again, even in a win against the Commanders, still need a goal line stop and interception at the, at the one-yard line to win them the game. They are living dangerously right now, even though they're 3-2 and two and in first place. They again, when you play and the margins for the for a team like the Titans are that razor thin, just like the Colts doesn't take much for them to turn around, it doesn't take much for the Titans kind of take a step back here and go in the tank. It's, it truly is mind boggling. And when you have it, also makes no sense when you have Derrick Henry and the style of play they have, how they're such a bad second half team. Because for the last few years, it was the opposite. Right? We watched this team get off to slow starts in the first half of the season, slow starts in the first half of games, and Derrick Henry and the offensive line start to wear teams down, and that's when they get to the second half. Like, I mean, this team is, is doing none of that right now. 
No, you would think they would be closers. I mean, you would think they would just yeah. get Derrick Henry and they'd close it out. Like you said, it, it's not happening. I think from the Colts standpoint, you know, we've been talking about it all year, but if you can shore up this offensive line, get to a point where you're able to protect the quarterback better than 21 sacks, which is a phenomenally bad number right now, uh, and and hold on to the ball. I mean, Matt Ryan has to stop turning the ball over. His 10 turnovers to a game, that's also living dangerously. It's hurt the Colts plenty through so far through the first five weeks. Which of these teams is going to be able to solve that? Do the Titans become a better second half team or do the Colts become a better offense, you know, protect the in ball general, better yeah. <laughs> in general? Um, whichever one of those gets it figured out first probably takes the lead here because I don't think Jacksonville can't suddenly become an experienced team. That's something they're right. just going to have to live with. You know, they they can overcome it, but they're not going to suddenly turn into an experienced football team this year. And Houston can't suddenly gain a lot of offensive talent. That's, you know, I guess they could make a thousand trades at the deadline, but that's not very realistic, <laughs> you know? So I think the Titans and the Colts are the two teams that it's within their power right now to change what their weaknesses are. And I think maybe, maybe it's one of these things where they continue to be back and forth and Jacksonville's just a more consistent engine and, and, you know, comes up and, and topples both of them. But, I think this is what's so intriguing about this division right now. Nobody has even remotely stepped forward, try to take control of it. And everybody's so flawed on the offensive side that it really makes you wonder, you know, who will I, we talk about the Colts' struggles, but Jacksonville, again, to not score a touchdown against Houston at home mm-hmm. on, you know, today. Great. They've done some good things, you know, went out to LA, put a ton of points on the chargers who are starting to look a little bit fraudulent themselves. Um, but you know, it's still a good win for the Jaguars to do that, but it's offset by what they did today. And, and Houston, you know, I don't want to dump on the Texans too much, but there, Damian Pierce is a nice piece. He got the winning touchdown today. I think he's going to be a good running back for them. Eventually outside of that, who on that offense, really maybe Brandon stills. There's not a whole lot of people that concern you going into that week on, on their offense. And Brandon cooks is a good receiver, but also too Davis Mills is yeah. I guess regress. I mean, yeah, I thought he played better than maybe he got credit for last year. But right, I mean, you have a, a, a Pro Bowl level receiver, let's say in Cooks. But like you said, if the quarterback can't get the ball, it doesn't really matter. Like, uh, and the Colts, we've seen too, having a racer mat- specifically against that matchup with Stephon Gilmore, where again, you should be able to handle that. And you mentioned the word closer before. I'm glad you brought that up, George, because it's kind of crazy. But you kind of take a step back and look. Out of these four teams, I would say right now the Colts are the best closing team in in, in this division. It's wild, but even in Denver, for how ugly it was and how disgusted we all were after that game, it's like, the reality is, they got an interception in the end zone, they went down, scored the game-tying field goal, you win the coin toss, go down, score the go-ahead field goal, and you get a knockdown in the end zone to win the game. They made the last, what, four or five drives of that game against Denver, how ugly it was. They made the winning play, and they had to, and to their credit, whether it was that game, the Chiefs game, they have consistently, for the most part, been good closers now down the stretch through five weeks. It's it's wild. That's this what, division, man, is so confusing. I think it's one of the most confounding things about the Colts. They're one of the better teams in the league and definitely the best team in the division in the fourth quarter. And they're the worst team in the league in the first three. Like I, I, I've never seen a dichotomy like that really with one team where you're that much better in the fourth quarter than you are in all the previous quarters. That week one performance in Texan has been the season so far. You go down there to Houston and you're behind by 17 points going to the fourth quarter. You rally and you tie the game. The whole season has looked like that. I think the Colts just need some consistency. You need to find a way to bring that fourth quarter fire earlier in the game. And it's really weird 
because last year we've talked about it already on the pod. It was the exact opposite. Last year, the first quarter, they were one of the best teams around get out to these big leads. And then as the game went on, they got worse this year. Exactly. Flip that on its head. The first quarter they're they're awful. I'm not even sure they've scored a touchdown in the first quarter this year. I think they only have like one in the first half. Uh, which is in, in amazing. But, of course, two of the five games, they haven't scored a touchdown in any quarter. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right about it. You're 100% right. It's it's mind-blowing. It's if, if we could somehow take the first half, the first half Colts from last year, the second half Colts from this year, like, I, you put them right there. Buffalo and Kansas City is one of the best teams in the NFL. It's crazy to say. It's just, it's so frustrating. Like, you're right. Just for, for we asked for it in preseason, George. We asked for this team. Can you close? Can you use something you couldn't do last year? Close out these games. Now, we didn't anticipate that the first half. They would say, oh, yeah, we don't have to show up. We'll just be fine. And and like I said, you, you dig yourself into these double-digit point deficits uh, every single week, which is just not sustainable. But, again, the 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 margins or, or the fixes for the Colts here are minor. They're not major. Getting yeah. to a – for this year, right, just to win the division. Like, obviously, to be a Super Bowl contender – Colts are, are very far away. They're nowhere near Kansas City or Buffalo. That's, you know, obvious. That's obvious. You need a miracle for that. But mm-hmm. to to win this bad division, it's really there for the taking. And you're not asking for this team to make a whole lot of uh, improvement for sure to, to be able to capture that goal. All right, when we come back here, George, speaking of the division, Colts now to finish this very important seven-game stretch to kick off the season, in which they've gone 2-2-1 two, two, and one so far. They have the Jaguars coming to town before they travel to Nashville to finish their season series with the Titans. We'll discuss the importance of those two games. And if you had to pick one, if the Colts right now, if I tell you they're going one and one, which game is it more important for the Colts to win, the Jaguars or the Titans? We'll discuss that when the Blue Horseshoe Pod does return. All right, George, we highlighted the importance of this seven-game stretch. We've, we've hammered it home when you play five division games in the first seven games. We talked about the importance of the Colts get off to a hot start. They've not listened so far, to say the least. But to their credit, they still have a chance they to turn it around. Two division games, you're 2-2-1 two, two, and one so far. So you have a real chance here. Everyone go best-case scenario. You're 4-2-1. and one. I think we would sign for that before the season started, even with how you know it started. We'd be overjoyed and say, okay, you're in a good spot now going forward. Obviously, the one thing they can't do in this two-game stretch is 0-2. Now, that, that's the, the one thing you absolutely cannot do. You cannot get swept by the Jags. You cannot get swept by the Titans. That is for sure. So let's just say they go one and one these next two games. Which is a more important to win in your opinion, George? Is it a more important to win against Jacksonville this upcoming week at home? Or is it more important to beat the Titans, split that series uh, in Nashville when they play in week number seven? Which game, if, you, if I had to tell you right now, you can only win one. You want the Jaguars? Is that more important of a win? Or is it the Titans? If I can only win one, I think it's a Tennessee game because I trust Tennessee more over the rest of the season. I think if you lose that one, they're more likely to hold that tiebreaker over you the rest of the year because of, because of what they've done within the division. Whereas Jacksonville is coming off a loss to Houston, so even if you get swept by them, you know, as you said, you won't be swept by either team. But if you get swept by Jacksonville, they still got two more games with Tennessee left. They haven't even played them yet. They've got another game against the Houston team, who apparently they've got all kinds of struggles with at zero and nine. I feel more, you know, if you've got to choose one, I feel more confident Jacksonville is going to drop other divisional games. Uh, throughout the year than, than that Tennessee is. They just haven't done it. The Colts have not proven any way to beat that team. They need to win both of them. We know that. That's yes. the obvious yes. answer. But if you can only win one, I would pick the Tennessee game. I'm with you as well because I also think there's sort of like a little bit of a mind block there as well when you lose to the Titans now, what is it, five straight times, right? 
Yeah, five straight times. It's just like you cannot continue now to lose these games where you got swept last year. You started this year uh, losing this, uh, and obviously in week number uh, week number four. So you're in a situation where I believe it's actually five out of six, not five in a row, but I think it's five out of six they, they've lost. So my apologies mm-hmm. there on the, the math. Four we don't get paid to the math here on this show. I apologize for that, folks. A Penn State degree it was not it was not a math major, that is for sure. <laughs> but like you mentioned, like that's a team that has owned the Colts. That's a team that's been the team to beat in this division. We know Jim Ursay's hatred for Tennessee and, and his hatred to continue to lose to that team. I'm with you. I think for Frank Reich especially, I think you you need to win that Titans game in Nashville. I think to your point too, that's a team that's more trustworthy. That's the team that I think it's going to actually in the end of the season going to be the bigger competitor to the Colts of the division than the Jaguars right now. That's a game where you have to split. You cannot lose a tiebreaker to to Tennessee by getting swept. And I think that win too would provide more confidence and give this team more of a spark than let's say they beat Jacksonville. No disrespect to the Jack to the Jags, but if you lose Sunday and then come back a week later and beat the Titans, even though they're three three and one. I think you're feeling a whole lot better about this team going forward than if, let's say, it's reverse. You win this week, then you lose Tennessee, and you're three, three, and one, and you lose a tiebreaker to them as well. And your division record is, you know, continues to go south. I think that you're right that that Tennessee game is much more important. This just pops my mind as well. I'm wondering, George, because obviously a big discussion this year so far has been Frank Reich's job security. Now we know in Jim Irsay's tenure as owner for the Colts, he's never fired a coach in season. If things go south, if they do lose two in a row, and if the Titans game gets ugly, they lose, I don't know, 34-17, lose by double digits, not really competitive, and it's another game where you're sitting there and Tennessee just shows why they're the class of the division. Is Frank Reich in danger of getting fired then? It'll be interesting to see. You know, I always feel like really when you look at these these in-season firings, a lot of times it's a coach who's kind of a jerk or who kind of mm-hmm. did it to themselves. You know what I mean? It's like John Gr- John Gruden last year got himself fired, right? I mean, he had that situation with the emails. That was all on him. Uh, other times, it's a guy who's like completely lost the locker room who the team just clearly doesn't have a lot of faith in, um, you know, a situation like that. Sometimes it's that both like Urban Meyer. Thing. Sometimes it's Urban Meyer who just <laughs> apparently kicking his, his players chaos. And, <laughs> and taking, you know, not going home with the team after losses on the road and, and, and things like that. So um, I think a lot of it would matter on on where this locker room stands. Right now, Frank Reich hasn't lost the locker room. They still are mimicking everything that he says. They have that same even-keeled approach. I think they honestly believe they're going to get this together and they're going to get where they want to go, and a lot of that comes from their head coach. If, if they stop believing in that, and I don't know, maybe a, a really lopsided loss at Tennessee would do that. I think that's what it would take for, for Jim Irsay to make the call in season those where you can just see that this team is just giving up on their head coach. They haven't right now. Right now, their biggest issue is they're their own worst enemy. We've been talking about it all year. Uh, every opportunity they have on offense to shoot themselves in the foot, they don't just get a grazing shot. They blow the whole foot off oh. and they do it <laughs> repeatedly drive after drive after drive. Uh, you can't do that. You know, the turnovers, first and foremost, You've turned the ball over 11 times, I think it is, through through five games now. Ten of them are on your quarterback. That's obviously completely unacceptable. You're not going to win in the NFL consistently doing that against anybody. And then the sacks, you know, 21 sacks. Those two things combined are just killing drives because they're either behind the chains because they, they got sacked and it's second and long or third and long, or the behind the chains because they fumbled and they recovered it, but it's second and long and third and long. Or they just lose possession of the ball altogether. You, you've got to eliminate these things. I don't know what's going to take because it's been five weeks and you've not seen a whole lot of improvement on that. 
Uh, but that's that's the key to the season right there. Stop turning the ball over and stop. Look, I, at this rate, Matt Ryan's not going to make it through the year if, the, if no. they don't protect him better than this. No, that is absolutely true. You might pull Avante Davis at halftime. So, you know what, guys? I can't keep coming back at her getting killed. It could get ugly. You're right about that for sure. I, I do think that is a chance because that's we know how, if how Jim Mercy operates. He's an emotional man. He loves his team. He's, a, he's basically a fan, right? He's a, he's a fan who has a lot of money that could buy a team, and now he loves the Colts. Um, with that said, it's like if you um, if you lose again in Tennessee, you get outclassed in that game, I think there's a real chance here for Frank that it could be the end of the line because, like you mentioned, you're right. They have He has not lost the locker room. They've not tuned him out, and a lot of it's been, frankly, execution. Matt Ryan hold on to the ball. Like you said, seven picks. Three fumbles right now. You can't be doing that from your 15-year veteran. The offensive line, the most highest paid offensive line in the NFL, somehow just forgets how to block this year. So it's like there are issues where you are, it's on the players turn around. But at the same time, we are talking about the same things. Like we are now for th- through five weeks kind of harping on the same kind of issues that are plaguing this team. And it's like at one point, if, or at what point, if you're not fixing them, you say, you know, we're just doing the definition of insanity here and doing the same thing over and over again without making any – or uh, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. I think that that could be a game we need to keep an eye on, George. Also, I think it does depend on how the Jacksonville game goes. Mm-hmm. I think it's tougher to fire them if they win this week and let's say lose a close run to Tennessee. Um, but if they lose this week to the Jags and then again lose 34-10 to the Titans in Tennessee, I think that's where we're, we have to be a frank watch. That, that has to be something where – he might not be getting the team playing back home, um, you know, pulling over Meyer, let's say, but, you know, not not because he didn't want to go on the team plane, wasn't allowed on the team plane. But that's a, a situation because that's that's the most frustrating part. It's through five weeks, you, know, you can make the excuse now with the way preseason is, right, or lack thereof that no one really plays. Okay, the first two or three weeks could be an extended preseason. So you're still kind of getting the rust off, especially for the offensive line who really kind of need that those game reps to kind of truly get back into form. It's like, okay, fine. Give them a two, three-week grace period kind of, work their way back in. But by now, week five, we should be seeing these issues cleaned up. And especially going back to Thursday night, George, you mean, you're, they're getting worse. It's not like they're slowly improving. The, the, the Kansas City game, I thought, was a little bit of an improvement. And even in Tennessee, you saw some strides where pass blocking miscommunication was better than it has in the past. But then, you, okay, you take a situation where even though you lose, you, you do improve in some of the areas that are killing you. And then you take like four steps back on Thursday night with the protection, with Matt Ryan's ball security. It's just like, it's so maddening because anytime they take one step back this year, they find a way to go or, or one step forward. I should say they find a way to go two steps back. And if that's mm-hmm. continuing to be the case, Frank's a great guy. He has a locker room. I think Jim would consider a change there. But again, that's also, we're talking about right now, worst case scenario, you lose Sunday, you get embarrassed next Sunday, against the Titans. I think that's what it would take for a change to possibly happen. But that's also kind of harps on the importance of this, two-game stretch here. Like they, the schedule is forgiving in a way that for how bad the first five weeks were, they have a chance, George, to honestly erase every single doubt and frustration by just taking care of business the next two weeks. They, It's right there in front of them. They have the chance, unlike you mentioned, be a closer and someone you know in the division go take it. This is their chance here early in the season. These next two games, this is your chance to go take it. Absolutely. And if I think you're not going to win this division without a winning record, it's a bad division, but I think you're still going to probably have to win Agreed. more than you lose Agreed. within a division, which is you've got to win these two games because if you lose either one of them, you don't have a chance to have a winning record in the division. 
So you've got to come out. You've got to find a way to beat the Jaguars at home. You've got to find a way to beat Tennessee on the road. At that point, you're two, two and one in the division, which still isn't great, but you're, you'll be four, two and one overall, and you'll be sitting in a pretty good spot considering where you were at. Uh, and you'll start to feel a little bit better about tiebreakers and things like that because obviously I think the division's going to beat itself up a little bit. We've already seen that happen. I think that's going to continue uh, with upsets and, and things like that. So um, it's just it's critical. These next two weeks are absolutely critical. You've got to get it done. But you know what? You're talking about these issues with the offensive line and turnovers. It's not just the first five weeks of the season. It's the last two weeks of last year, too. I mean, you really got seven, seven games now, almost half a season where the Colts have looked like this for the most part, you know, some games maybe a little bit better than others. Some games far, far worse. I think the Denver game was one of the worst with six sacks. And then I think two turnovers, um, you just can't do it. You know, at some point that's gotta be turned around. We thought Matt Ryan was going to be a big key to turning that around. He's actually been part of the problem. They need to fix it. If they don't, you know, then, then we're going to be talking about the draft the last few weeks of this, this podcast. And we're not going to be talking about any kind of playoff positioning. That's for sure. We'll be a college football pod now. It's just watching all these games and giving our reaction to who could look good in a Colts uniform next year. You're right about that. But I think that's a great point. I'm glad you brought it up to kind of wrap up the pod here, George. Is you're right. I and mean, that's, I think, also part of the reason why now there's heat on Frankie's next two games where if you don't get it done, I think he could be the first coach fired in season. Is because you're right. You had, going back to last year as well, how they finished the year, you've changed the quarterback, right? Going from Carson Wentz to Matt Ryan. So far, those issues have gotten worse. Forget about getting better. They've gotten worse. I'm not even saying the same. Uh, ball security wise, the offensive line has had some, you know, changes. You lose Mark Lewinsky in the, in the off season. So you, you've changed a few faces on the offensive line, but for the most part, the core is the core, but again, they have gotten even worse from last year. They kind of almost picked up where they left off going from last year to this year. So there's parts where the, the weaknesses right now on this team, like you mentioned, it's not like they popped up out of nowhere. Their question marks coming in. We expected a lot more from this offensive line. But you go back to last year, right? The reason why this Colts team was doomed the last two seasons, uh, two games of the year, and why they missed the playoffs, are the exact reason now through five games they look like one of the worst offenses and are statistically the worst offense in the NFL uh, because those issues have gotten worse and have not been fixed uh, whatsoever. So speaking of those issues, I'm actually really excited for the next podcast we do, the midweek pod, George, because we have a lot when it comes to offensive line changes that you know we were. Sur- sprung on us on Thursday night with the entire switching. Now I'd expect we'll get into more uh, the midweek. Probably you expect those changes to carry over into Sunday's game. Now when you have that little mini buys actually practice time on the field this week to, uh, to get those guys in a rhythm. I'm excited to see, you know, what the combinations are like and what the Colts plan and rolling out for Sunday, but we do know something has to change. So I'm really kind of sad to talk a little offensive line switch and see if the Colts now can bring a little juice. That'll do it for this edition of the Blue Horseshoe Pod. Colts fans, I hope you enjoyed your Sunday, a stress-free Sunday. No, I did. George did it. It's nice kind of sit back and not have to be freaking out and sweating for three hours watching Matt Ryan get sacked and watching the Colts try to uh, hold on to a close game here because they do love the drama and they do love keeping it close no matter what. So stress-free weekend. Hopefully you enjoyed it, Colts fans. Thanks as always for listening to the Blue Horseshoe Pod. You can get George on Twitter to always get his thoughts on the Colts at GM Bremer. You can get me on Twitter as well at Ryan underscore Hickey number three. A big midweek pod. I'm very excited for that as the Colts do get set to, like I said, salvage and really kind of for the first time this year, take a, a true stranglehold on this division right now that has been anything but strong. We'll get you ready for that big Jaguars-Colts matchup when we are back, but enjoyed it. Uh, have a great rest of your weekend, Colts fans. Have a great rest of your week. I'll talk to you in the midweek pod right here on the Blue Horseshoe Podcast.